This is a Yokogawa Australia and New Zealand podcast. Welcome back to Yokogawa Debunks, a conversation with industry experts to uncover the truth behind the myths and misconceptions surrounding the industrial automation and instrumentation space. I'm your host, Sean Carhill, Marketing Manager at Yokogawa Australia and New Zealand, and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Today we continue our conversation with our Product Manager for Process Analyzer Solutions, Nelson Isaiah. Welcome back, Nelson. Hi, Sean. It's a pleasure to chat to you again. Good to see you again. And Nelson, so in our previous episode, we uh, we discussed some myths regarding chromatographs, which were mainly linked to the principles of operation. Uh, many users see them as black magic boxes, too complex to understand, and some even believe they should be chemists to service them. Now, we left our chat before in the detectors section, so, so let's recap there. Uh, you were explaining how one of the most common detectors was a, a Wheatstone bridge. Now, is it fair to say that gas chromatographs users may standardise the use of this detector for most of their applications on their plants or, or other, other types of detectors? Well, Sean, that's an ideal scenario, I'm afraid, albeit uh, unfeasible. In our last episode, we talked about the, the TCD, the, that Wheatstone bridge in particular, as an example of how different gases in the sample could be identified by their thermal conductivity. But the TCD is not the one-fits-all solution for most applications. There are other detector types. It is true that the TCD is common, mainly because it has the lowest cost, perhaps, and does not require a fuel to function. But the reason it can't be used for everything It's the sensitivity limit. When trying to detect very low concentrations of an analyte, say below 10 parts per million of a hydrocarbon, the TCD experiences low signal-to-noise ratio, meaning that a small concentration does not change the resistance in the thermistor much, and the noise may affect the reading. Therefore, the TCD is not the preferred method for for those applications. For such low values, it's much better to implement a device with higher sensitivity. The typical option there, in the case of hydrocarbon analysis, it's the uh, flame ionization detector. Wow, a flame ionization detector sounds quite complicated. I mean, you know, how how does that device work and, and how much different is it from the TCD? Well, the word flame gives you a little hint. It's uh, related to combustion. So in this detector, the sample is burnt in a hydrogen flame. When you look at a, a, at a pure hydrogen flame, it's uh, clean. It does not produce any smoke and have very low radiant heat. It looks actually blue. It's like a, a very bright blue. But more importantly, it does not emit ions. Uh, However, if you mix the components that have been separated in the column with the hydrogen and burn it, apart from generating carbon dioxide and steam, there is a specific number of ions emitted from each component. So those ions can be collected within an appropriate electrical field. Uh, So we have electrodes um, above and around the flame. And the compound can be quantified based on ion collection. 
obviously because it's combustion you have to you have hydrogen as your fuel you have to burn the sample but you also need air and all this combustion occurs in an insulated capsule to avoid any external forces to put out the flame and to control that process a bit more. The FID is selective only to organic compounds, which means it doesn't respond to components like carbon monoxide, for example, or hydrogen sulfide or sulfur dioxide. Those components are inorganic components. The FID also has a, an almost zero noise compared to the TCD because it's easier to collect ions and the signal that comes out of that detector is, is much cleaner. It doesn't rely on the resistance. So it's much more accurate for detecting analytes in low concentrations, say in, in parts per million. This is why it's much more accurate for detecting analytes in, in low concentrations, like in parts per million. So Nelson, you mentioned that the FID does not respond to inorganic components such as iron sulfide and uh, sulfur dioxide. Uh, and these are typically found in oil and gas as well as minerals processing. So does this mean that it's not possible to use gas chromatographs for those applications? No, what I mean is that the FID is not applicable in, in those cases where you want to detect hydrogen sulfide or sulfur dioxide. It is good for hydrocarbons. Other detectors may be used in, in applications in mineral processing, and in particular to detect H2S and SO2. Those two can be detected with the TCD if the concentrations are not too low. But for low concentrations, it is appropriate to use a different type of detector called the, the flame photometric detector. So the, the FPD works quite similarly to the FID in the sense that the sample is burned in a hydrogen flame. Instead of looking at the ions, the FPD is looking at the flame color and it uses a photomultiplier tube in, in order to do so. So components with sulfur in, in the chemical structure, when burned in hydrogen, they change the color of the flame from the blue that I mentioned before to shades of orange and yellow. And the detector can pick up that change in color pretty accurately. Every gas chromatograph is designed for, you know, for a specific sample. It's not one fits all type of scenario, neither with the columns or with detectors. As in the case, for example, of a pressure or temperature transmitter where, where a sensor is able to monitor a wide range of values of the same variable, it's not really the case with gas, gas chromatographs. Composition of gases is, is a complex variable because it, uh, it can change quite a lot depending on the, on the origin of that sample. So it is rare to have one detector for every single application. So here at Yokogawa, we engineer these analyzers and select the right combination of components, columns and valves detectors based on each application. So we have to go in and look at what the GAT sample is and what sort of components you want to analyze. And therefore we select the appropriate detector for the application. Look, Adam Nelson, I think it's quite clear that there's a, a significant amount of process knowledge and understanding and expertise that goes into putting together a highly effective and reliable uh, gas chromatograph. 
do you think that um, if a, if the claim is laid that Yokogawa are a relatively new entrant to this market, I mean, how would you respond to that? Well, Sean, no, uh, not at all. Yokogawa has been supplying gas chromatographs to various markets for over 60 years now. Our first chromatograph evolved into different series over the past six decades. It went through the GC6 to the GC8 at the very start and, and up to the latest two series, the GC1000 Mark II and the GC8000. So we have a long history of um, uh, with gas chromatography. Above all, what has really set us apart is that we have kept this technology in-house all these years. So we have not sold a uh, our patent. So we we have not let go of the technology because we believe in it, and it's it's still a a widely used analyzer. Now, Yokogawa have got a uh, significant track record in the oil and gas industry. I mean, w- would you say it's, uh, it's fair to assume that most of these machines have gone on to serve in the, uh, in the oil and gas industry? I would say partially true, because the oil and gas industry has been a dominating user of gas chromatographs. But there are many applications out there outside of oil and gas. The second largest market, I would say, it's petrochemicals. But we can think of other examples, say the water industry. There are waste treatment plants where the composition of of biogas produced is typically monitored with gas chromatographs. You're interested in understanding how much methane and how much carbon dioxide has been um, produced by the bacteria in, in that process. So you can utilize the biogas to generate electricity. So in that application we can see gas chromatographs as well. It had also been used in the chemical industry, as I said before, petrochemicals, say polyethylene, in methanol production to monitor product quality uh, and different process areas, uh, say distillation columns and absorbers, scrubbers. So all those applications, aside from the oil and gas, we have seen our gas chromatograph used in. So let me put myself in the position of a, uh, of, a, of a site process engineer who has an application and, and has a basic understanding of gas chromatographs. If I came to Yokogawa and I came to you, um, what type of information would you, uh, would you need from me to be able to provide a, uh, a solution? The first thing we need to do is to understand the gas composition that the site of the project requires to monitor and we need to understand this from the onset. So we do a lot of investigation first. We typically engage with process engineers as they are able to provide comprehensive data sets for the expected compositions. We can use uh, data from process simulations, or we can actually, if, if this is a site in operation, we can send someone in to take a sample and analyze it in the lab so we can go and collect other important details that relate to the sample transport factors and also with the services that we require like instrument air, purge gases, power, etc. So we we start collecting all this information from the onset. Uh, we have application data sheets that we can use for that purpose. Once we know enough, we discuss these applications internally with our analytical labs overseas and we define a suitable machine for the application. We are also capable of providing 
uh, post-sales support of these analyzers with our team of experts, uh, QMI engineers. So with supply and a gas chromatograph, it's also important to supply other things like training and commissioning assistance and life cycle support uh, for the analyzers. We also have that capability in worldwide, but more locally, we have uh, a pool of uh, QMI engineers in Australia and New Zealand that have the highest level of knowledge in these analyzers and can support the after-sales process. Well, Nelson, look, thank you very much for that. I mean, our, our time is almost up, and um, I'd just like to say it's been an absolute pleasure once again, so thank you for joining us and debunking more myths about detectors in uh, in chromatography. It's been my pleasure, Sean. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Nelson, and thank you, everybody, for joining us again today uh, to get to know more about the... Uh, the GC8000, um, please follow the links we've got. By all means, please leave us some comments in the uh, in, in the comments section for this episode. And uh, I'd like to say, please look out and join us again at uh, some of our future Yokogawa debunks uh, episodes. Thank you.